Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Before we welcome today's guest, I want to share with listeners that we recently published the preseason edition of FNF Coaches Magazine. It has a theme of fighting the good fight. We share stories about ways in which coaches are dealing with the impact of the pandemic from the challenges offered by postponements, cancellations, recruiting dead periods, fundraising shortfalls, and the mental health toll on players and coaches. That publication went to press last week, and we'll be getting that in the hands of coaches on August 20th, or that's today actually. To order a copy of the magazine or subscribe, visit fnfcoaches.com and click on the subscribe tab. Today's guest on the podcast is someone who can speak to a product that is helping coaches across all levels of football. The guest is Sports Attack football product manager, Tommy Barber. The Sports Attack attack aerial attack can simulate punts, kicks, passes, and snaps so that coaches can limit player fatigue and maximize practice reps. The Snap Attack can pivot instantly in any direction and provide accurate passes, punts, kickoffs to any location on the field. The aerial attack is similar to the snap attack model used by NFL teams, only it's 40 pounds lighter and less expensive to suit the needs of the high school market. The only alteration is that the aerial attack only spins as if it's coming off the foot or out of the hand of a right-handed specialist. Actually, Tommy, I think that's changed, hasn't it? That was uh, something I got from last year. Has that changed? Well, we have just remodeled the snap attack, which does the left and right, but the aerial attack is only right-handed. That's okay. Correct. I got you. Okay. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. It'll be good to get, um, I know you are a longtime coach, so it'll be good to kind of get your sense of uh, what's going on in high school football right now, as well as give us a lot of information on uh, the aerial attack, which high school teams are starting to use all over the country. Uh, So why don't you tell it, why don't we start with your football coaching experience? Because our audience is high school football coaches. And I know you've coached for some champion teams and uh, in the state of Georgia, which has a great football tradition. What's your coaching experience? Well, I was a um, college baseball player. And when I got out of college, when you become a high school coach, you coach everything. And I coached high school football, wrestling, baseball, even a little soccer. Um, I happened to be very fortunate to be at the right schools at the right time with the right coaches. I was at two of the largest, most competitive high schools in the state of Georgia, where we had major college division one players and we were being recruited. Uh, the first school I was at Southwest DeKalb, we had um, experienced coaches that have been coaching 20, 30 years and knew how to take care of players. They were great technicians. They were just inspirations. And I was, you know, as the young coach, I'm coaching the eighth grade, I'm coaching the JV, I'm cleaning the locker room, I'm handling the equipment. You get to do all the jobs as the young coach. And it was just an amazing experience with working with people that really knew what they were doing. And in those days, you were going from a shotgun to a wishbone. uh, And then you're going to the veer, the split back veer, and you've got all these changes in football in the 1970s. But you know, we had great players, we had great seasons, and then I went to a new school, which was really an interesting thing. I went to a new school, Reed Ann High School, and all the coaches were my age uh, or younger, and we were both unbelievably hardworking, and we ended up winning a state championship our second year of varsity competition at the highest level in the state of Georgia. 
So uh, those coaches that I coached with, many of them went on to become head coaches. Um, some of them college coaches, some of them college ath- or high school athletic directors and coaches. And one of our assistants has became a head, head, high school head coach and won four state championships at Parkview High School. So I was with the right people at the right time. I was very fortunate. And I enjoyed every minute of my high school coaching experience. In, in those days, you coached everything. You coached offense, defense. You coached the eighth grade, the ninth grade, the JV, uh, whatever they called on you, you coached. And you coached in practice and you scouted and you did all the routines and you went to clinics in the off season. And, you know, I got to hear great college coaches, Bo Schimbeckler. I got to hear Lou Holtz, I got to hear all these guys speak and give you their secrets. And uh, um, so it was it was a great experience. And after 10 years in high school, I became a college coach in baseball and an athletic director at DeKalb College here in Atlanta. So I went from high school football, baseball and wrestling into uh, college baseball coaching. And that's kind of how I got linked up with the ATEC people. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it reminds me your high school high school football coaching experience. Just listening to it, it makes it it sounds like a couple of months ago, uh, I did an interview with Lane Kiffin. Um, uh, no, I did an interview. Uh, who was the Iowa football coach? Um, well, I did an interview with him. He anyway, he was on a staff of the Cleveland Browns with like Nick Saban and um bill belichick and all kinds of guys nick uh scott pioli all these guys who have uh since become big time uh football coaches and really successful careers and i think that you know when you're on a staff like that and everybody's working so hard together and learning so much from each other it can lead to you know huge careers in the sport um now how are i would imagine you're still in touch with some of those coaches what are you what are you getting a sense is uh happening with high school football now with the pandemic and so many um programs or states are you know postponing or canceling seasons a lot of coaches are a little bit nervous it seems like it's split you know some are nervous about going back some think that the state restrictions are too um restrictive i guess and they think that, that you know that they should be back and the kids should be playing because they're worried about the mental health toll what are you hearing from coaches out in the football community well exactly that here in georgia <clears throat> we're practicing planning on playing a delayed season <clears throat> and you know it's so important for these people these coaches and these players to be together during this time uh to have the workouts to prepare for a season to have a goal to shoot for. It's so important. And these coaches feel like maybe this is the most important time of their coaching career to coach through the adversity of uncertainty. They don't know if they're going to have a season or not. They don't know how many games they're going to play. They don't know anything, but they've got the kids. They're moving forward. Uh, I see on Facebook, all these young coaches that are just really focused in on getting the kids ready to play. And I think that's the only way they can do this if the season gets canceled just like baseball season was canceled last year you you have to change what you're doing and it's going to be an abrupt stop and change but as a coach preparing kids to play something as serious in Georgia as high school football uh, you can't slack off you've got to be full speed ahead and pray that you're going to have a season and you have competition and the kids are going to get to play 
Right. And how, how do you think it will impact? I mean, so a lot of the companies that we're working with, and I would imagine uh, sports attacks, one of them, because in, in situations like this where, you know, you've got coaches washing the ball, you know, in between drills and doing like it's even better when it's uh, you can simulate the punts, kicks, passes and snaps without spreading germs. But there are a lot of companies that we're working with that are kind of making the pivot not only for this season, but that, you know, maybe football will be different moving forward. We've got uh, companies that are streaming games and doing that because there might not be fans in the stadium. So uh, fans are going to want to watch the games. Uh, they're going to want to stream them on their devices and computers. We've also got um, companies that are doing online fundraising because the teams aren't going to be able to have the team dinners and the banquets and the uh, golf scrambles and things like that. Uh, how do you think this will impact the future of high school football moving forward beyond this season? Well, I think the individual workouts are more important now. What we've seen in our business is that we have sold so many machines, especially to the NFL guys who did not have any idea when they're going to report to camp uh, in, in March and April and May, we were selling quite a few of our aerial attacks and some of our snap attacks to NFL players for their home workouts because they've got to be ready. They've got to catch passes. They've got to catch punts. They've got to catch kickoffs. And if they don't, they're going to be behind if and when their games and their practices and their OTA start. So we've seen a shift in the focus from the machines at schools, the machines at colleges to the machines in the backyard. Um, where I live in Georgia, there's a, a, a local high school that has a tight end that his dad bought a machine so he could have it in the backyard to work on his pass catching abilities. And he's a sophomore in high school. He's definitely going to be a division one prospect. He's at a great football high school program, but he's got to catch passes. So his dad purchased a machine for their backyard. And we're seeing the focus of that, of the, of the home training, of the individual training, picking up with our machine rather than the schools purchasing. Because the schools don't know what their budgets are going to be. They don't know what they've got coming in. Even at the highest level, they don't know what their budgets are going to be. And they don't know what they can purchase. In many cases, at the college level, their fundraising has been locked down. Their accounts have been locked down. They can't buy baseball machines. They can't buy softball machines. They can't buy anything because of the budget restrictions placed on their state, the board of regents, whatever governing body they have. So our focus has shifted to the backyard, to the personal trainers, to the the guys working out the, the athletes um, uh, and, and working on their skills. So, uh, and we've had ser- several of the NFL players buy machines and donate them to their high schools where they're working out one very prominent NFL running back uh, bought a machine and and donated it to his high school team. And I took it up there and set it up for him and never met a more gracious, uh, humble young man in my life to, to be such a physical presence. And he's working out with 13, 14 year old high school kids. So uh, that was, that was pretty incredible uh, that the focus is more on the training and more on the personal use of the machines than a, a group use of the machines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. The uh, Now you had mentioned baseball and softball earlier, and I, I think we had spoken a couple of days ago and we've done uh, stories before 
but uh, the the sports attack or the it it kind of evolved from a baseball uh, machine, a baseball, and and it, it kind of evolved and dates back to Bill Walsh, I think. Right? Isn't that how? What is the evolution of the of the sports attack aerial well, attack? That's a great story, Dan. Um, sports attack. The people that work at sports attack, the owners, the developers, the people that the great brain thrust, if you would. Uh, our, um, originally, we were a company called ATEC, which is now a company owned by Wilson. And we started in the, in the 1980s, and we were a baseball softball company uh, featuring polyurethane wheels. The company was originally in Clackamas, Oregon, and in Santa Cruz, California. In the early 90s, they moved to Sparks, Nevada, and consolidated the, the companies under the banner of ATEC. Uh, and it was baseball machines, softball machines. Uh, everything to go along with machines, netting, uh, uh, balls, everything you would need for a baseball and softball practice. In the mid-90s, the company sold, and the owner, uh, Doug Beener, our developer, and, and basically the man who's been behind all this, uh, Doug in the, took a, a little time off, and then in the late 90s, he started developing a volleyball machine because there was no volleyball machines on the market and volleyball is such a huge market. And if you can develop a machine that can serve and spike and set up, um, you've really got something. And so he saw a need in the market with the same kind of technology we were using in baseball with polyurethane wheels, with multiple motors, um, with all safety covered wheels and those kind of things that we're using. And he went into the volleyball business Well, after several years in the volleyball business, he decided to jump back in the baseball market with Sports Attack and call the machine the Hack Attack baseball machine, a polyurethane wheeled, three-wheeled machine with three motors uh, that could throw the ball over 100 miles an hour and throw any kind of breaking pitch you would want to and also be able to throw fly balls and ground balls and do all your fungo work. So in the early 90s, we came out, Sports Attack came out with a a Hack Attack baseball machine and, of course, a softball machine to go with it. And this was right on the cutting edge of travel baseball. It was right on the beginning of fast pitch softball sweeping the country. And so it was a great time to have these high quality machines. And very quickly, these became the machines of Major League Baseball. When you go to all the Major League Spring training camps today, you're going to see Hack Attacks and Hack Attack Juniors, you're going to see our machines because that's all they use. And so we got into the baseball business full steam. Well, Doug had attended San Jose State and played baseball, and his lab partner was a future football coach by the name of Bill Walsh. Uh, Both from the Bay Area, both stayed in the Bay Area um, with with their businesses, and they stayed in touch over the years. Well, Coach Walsh, in developing the West Coast offense, uh, was frustrated with the other football machines on the market that had inflatable tires, that had only one motor with no recovery time. And he approached Doug to use the baseball technology that was just going so well in Major League Baseball for a football machine. So Doug went to work on a football machine uh, with the polyurethane wheels, with multiple motors, 
and basically wanted to see what it could do. We had some interest in colleges in California and on the West Coast that wanted to see this because they wanted to be able to put the ball to the receiver's hands rapidly, accurately, and without having to worry about a, a motor catching up or worried about um, the inflatable tires or the wetness of the tires or the coldness of the weather or anything like that. He wanted our baseball technology. And so Doug came up with a prototype, and I was probably the only person working with the company that had any football coaching experience. And so he sent the, he sent the prototype to me, and I took it around to different high schools and asked them, what do you want a football machine to do? So when we say that our machine was developed by coaches and designed by coaches, it was. Uh, I took the prototype out. Uh, I took it to one of my former players that I coached in, in high school, uh, who happened to be Heinz Ward's high school coach at one time. And he was an advocate of the running shoot offense. And he wanted it to swivel and he wanted to throw passes and he wanted to throw left-handed and right-handed passes, which we haven't thought about. And uh, he had all these things that he wanted it to do. So I relayed that message back to Doug and he goes back to the, uh, to the drawing board. Uh, and then I took it to one of the SEC powerhouses. And actually, we took it to the uh, equipment managers because at the college level, they're the guys that operate the machine. They're the guys that do the work. They're the guys that know what they want the machine to do. So we took it to one of the SEC powerhouses that will remain nameless. And they were not having great seasons at the time. And one of the equipment guys actually got a wrench and took our prototype apart as I was standing there with him, took it total machine apart, put it back together and says, I like the idea, but can it kick off? He said, we're seeing a lot of kickoffs now, which means the other team's doing a lot of scoring and we really need to work on our kickoff receiving. So I called Doug back in the plant and said, Hey, we need for it to kick off. So he started working on that. I took it to the, uh, uh, another SEC team, and they said, we need for it to be rapid fire. We do a punt drill where we catch punts with balls in the air as rapidly as possible. And so, therefore, we need a machine that can fire a ball every six to ten seconds, 50, 60 yards, and be accurate. They wanted to punt from under their goalpost to midfield, they line up all their players in a drill and as quick as they can get the machines out. And what they were doing, they were putting up multiple machines and firing the balls from multiple machines. They had three equipment managers lined up, holding the footballs, putting them in the machines, firing them in the machines. They had all these multiple machines to achieve this. Well, I took the, the prototype snap attack down there and we were able to set up under the goalpost line up the equipment guys with the footballs, and every six seconds fire a football and accurately to midfield for a punt return. And we had punt receivers going all over the place trying to catch the ball in a crowd, which is what they were trying to achieve. The other thing that we learned is that the left-footed punt was the most important thing for the National Football League because the left-footed punt is definitely different it's a different spin. And there at that time were 12 left-footed punters in the NFL. 
and the other machine on the market could only punt right-footed. And so they could not simulate that left-footed punt. And so I took the machine up to the local NFL team here in Georgia, the Falcons, and the equipment manager at that time, Jimmy Luck, who's now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, basically gave the machine a once-over. Now, I have to tell you, the, the first few hours with the Falcons was pretty ugly because we did not realize the NFL ball was bigger than the college ball and held more air. And I threw some ducks for several hours until we decided that it was an entry point, not a wheel pinch issue that we were having. And with Jimmy's expertise and guidance, we were able to uh, figure out how to punt accurately left-footed and, of course, completely, once we were able to do that completely, the NFL jumped on board. And the NFL teams had to have this machine because their left-footed punt, their punt return guys had to see that left-footed punt. So I had, a, I had a great time for a couple of years taking the machine around to talk to people that knew what they wanted to do with it. And we were able to do that. So our machine is designed by coaches for coaches. Yeah, that's it's amazing because I I live in New England. I I'm in Massachusetts, and uh, I can't remember the last time the New England Patriots have not had a left-footed punter for this for the reason you just mentioned. Nobody had you know nobody sees that left-footed punt on yes. a regular basis. They don't see it in practice, and then uh, you know they go against the Patriots, and I don't know what the stats are. I would imagine if Belichick's been going with a left-footed punter for 15, 20 years, it must be because, you know, you are they're, correct. They're that's f- what we were told. Yeah. I would think they're fumbling more, but um, yeah, that's interesting. What other, uh, what other uh, advantages or benefits are you hearing uh, coaches tell you when you're, when you're going around the country and uh, trying to sell the product? What, what other advantages are you hearing that the aerial attack is offering for high school teams? Well, the, the, the one of real huge Issues issues of safety in the poly in the in the inflatable tires, you can get caught and cut your arm burns that they call them. And our machine, our wheels are covered. So the players can use the machine without a coach having to operate the machine. In many cases, because of time restrictions, colleges and high schools have the machine set up before practice and after practice for the players to catch balls on their own. And especially in states like Georgia where coaches cannot be on the field except certain times of the year, they can set the machine up and the players can work the machine by themselves because it's safe. You're not going to be injured loading a football onto the wheels of our machine. And the safety factor was huge. The other factor is it's so accurate. Um, you may remember a commercial that was out last fall by the general, the insurance company, and they had a kicker that could not kick a field goal. And he missed left and right, actually hit the uprights on the left, hit the uprights on the right, and then hit the crossbar. And then the, the story was they were going to cover him anyway, and they accepted him on the team. You may remember that commercial. That is actually me at Georgia State Stadium on the 20-yard line in the middle of the field with a snap attack. And I hit, they didn't think I could do it. The uh, people doing the commercial did not think I could do it, but I hit 20 yards out. I hit the left upright on the second try. I hit the right upright on the first try. And then I hit the crossbar. The machine is that accurate. So if you're working fades 
with your receivers. You can set the machine up in the middle of the field, 20, 30 yards out, and put a trash can in each end zone in the corner where a receiver would be receiving the ball, and you can put the ball in that trash can every time. It's that accurate. Because if the ball is inflated the same, if it's the same type of leather ball, if everything is the same and the motors are running on the machine and the polyurethane wheels, we're going to be in the same spot every time. And we can do it every six seconds. So those are the things the coaches like so much about it. The safety, the accuracy, um, the, the, the quickness that it can recover. So many things you can get done in a short amount of time. And time is, is, is very limited for these guys now. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, and that's comparing it to other, other, uh, machines like this, but then for teams who aren't using it, there's also the overuse factor. Like now every, a lot, not, not a lot of high school teams have it, but you know, if you, if you look at some of the teams that are using wearable GPS monitoring and they're trying to, uh, limit the workload of their players so that they're, you know, in peak form on Friday nights when they're playing games, you know, if you have this machine, you don't have to worry about your punter, you know, punting it 50, 60 times to get the reps or your quarterback throwing 100 passes. Saves the legs. Right. Saves the legs. Absolutely. Saves the legs. Plus, you can practice who you're going to see. You may see a left-footed punter, or you may see. I was fortunate. I was a high school coach. We won the state championship. We had a kicker named Kevin Butler. He was pretty good. And to practice for him, how do you do that? Because you've got a guy that can kick the, kick the ball the length of the field. You know, I mean, that's you can practice who you're going to play. And the other thing about the high schools using the machine here in Georgia in the last three years, if you take the teams playing for the state championship, each one of those teams in each classification has this machine. Yeah, that's amazing. And then what what type of uh, what type of uh, impact have you had on the college and the program? Do you have a lot of those uh, teams using the, uh, the machine as well? We have all the NFL teams in multiples. We have all the Canadian teams in multiples. And I would say that we would have just about all the um, Division I teams. Um, some of the smaller colleges actually use the machine probably more, but most of the Division I schools have multiple machines. I think Air Force has eight. I think Notre Dame, Georgia, Auburn, they have multiples because they have them in different spots. They have them in different locations and they have them for different drills and different purposes. Right. Yeah. That's the, that's, it seems like a smart idea, a smart way to do it. Uh, obviously the high school programs don't have the same budget, but what would, what, what, what would be they be looking at price wise if they want to get this for their program and try to become more efficient at practice and have a safer, uh, so they're not having players suffer overuse injuries. The snap attack, which is left-handed and right-handed, that's the NFL machine, we call it, because we made it for the NFL. Uh, it's in the $4,000 range. Mm-hmm. The aerial attack, which is only right-handed, is in the $3,000 range. So these machines are certainly affordable uh, for these programs, and the difference it makes uh, is just incredible. In fact, many of the NFL teams take the machines with them on the road and some of the colleges that do it now. They actually are um, cases, lockers with wheels on it that they can put the machine in and then take the machine out and put it on top of the locker on wheels and do their pregame warm-up with it. Hmm. 
Now, Tommy, it's so much easier to put on the plane and take with them than to try to corral their punter and use him for their punt return practice. It's so much easier just to take the machine with you. Right. Yeah. Now, what will your fall look like? I know you said earlier a lot of a lot of years you're traveling throughout uh, the fall and you know showing different programs and coaches the machine in person. Will you be able to do that this fall, or will it be a different fall uh, because of the pandemic? Well, it's it's different already. You know, we're um, we've already dealt with the NFL guys. I mean, actually, that was pretty much April and May and part of June, and really they didn't know what was going on. Um, so we've been able to. We refurbish some machines from time to time because the NFL guys, they use these machines 365 days a year. These machines get some wear and tear on them, and sometimes the parts wear out. The other good thing about our machine is that the parts are all plug in. So if you have something go wrong with it, it's not you have to send it back across the country for some electrician to look at. You you know, the parts just plug in. We've never lost a, a wheel, a throwing wheel. And sometimes the motors get broken or wear out or something, as they all do, and you, we just replace the part. So it's kind of plug-in parts. Same way with our baseball machines. It's it's much easier. But right now we're kind of on hold with uh, with everybody. I know I have got gotten quotes out at so many colleges that are waiting to see if they can buy something. But right now they're frozen because of their budget process and, and what's going on, not knowing – how they're going to play or what they're going to play or anything like that. So it's, it's really quite unusual. And, and to be honest, we're uh, already thinking about gearing up for baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's a, it's really fluid right now. We're keeping a database, um, you know, kind of a, a website that tracks, you know, when teams are going to be playing and whether it's fall, some of them have pushed it to the winter or spring, and uh, it just it changes day to day, so it's difficult to figure to get a read on when teams are going to have budgets uh, to invest in their football program. Is particularly if they don't know if they're even going to be playing this fall. So I can imagine it's a tough time to uh, be doing what you're doing. But we really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, is there anything else that we, that we should go over with the the sports attack aerial attack or snap attack? Anything that anything else you wanted to share with our audience? I think the major points of it is, number one, it's safe for the players to use on their own when that instance happens. It is accurate. The recovery time is incredible. And it's going to make your team better. If you can catch more passes, if you can catch more punts, if you can save the arm of your quarterback, and from and from my experience, if you can save the arm of your old coaches – you know, this shoulder still bummed up from throwing passes in the 1970s. And I have a lot of coaches tell me that, save my arm, give me a machine. You know, and certainly you nobody can replicate the kicking that we can do with the machines. It's going to make your team better. It's going to give you a year-round um, workout plan to keep the kids going, to give them something to shoot for, and to make them better. Everybody's going to be better using these machines. Right. Yeah, I remember I did a story with you a couple, uh, it might have been a, about a year ago now, and you said uh, you had a quote, something to the effect of, if, you, if you're a high school coach and you're not using this machine, I want to play you, which was, uh, <laughs> I love that quote. But uh, Tommy, I'll put, twice. I'll put you twice on the schedule. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the on the podcast. This was great. It'll be great for coaches. And I, I think you're, you nailed it on the head. If you want to win, and you want to, you know, be safe and save your arm and uh, get the most out of your practices. And it's all about efficiency right now because they're going to be shorter practices. 
There's going to be the distancing. Right. There, you know, everything's going to be changing, and this is a great product uh, to showcase and bring into your program. And like you said, uh, for the high school programs, the, the you know the price point's about three thousand dollars, so that's great. Well, Tommy, thanks so much. Again, just a reminder, if you are interested in reading or, or getting delivered to your home, our preseason edition of FNF Coaches, which has the theme Fighting the Good Fight, you can visit FNFCoaches.com and click on the subscribe tab. Throughout the football season, we're going to be doing two podcasts per week. Each week, we're going to be looking to showcase a product like today that we showcase that will help coaches win and become more efficient during the season. And we'll also be talking to champion coaches to find out how things are changing in the 2020 season and what they can look forward to if their seasons have been delayed or postponed until the spring or winter seasons. Tommy, thanks again for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. And we look forward to talking to our audience again in a future podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dan. All right. Take care. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.